You're listening to Wait Your Scout with Anna Skipworth. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I hope you're all doing well, uh, staying safe and staying home as much as you possibly can. Um, so this week I'm interviewing Tim Kidd. We did this uh, during lockdown uh, over Skype, just having just quite a lovely chat actually. It was really nice just to talk to someone for a, for a change because, uh, you know, same four walls and all that. So uh, yeah, it was really lovely talking to him and hearing all of his amazing anecdotes and stories because they are lovely and just hearing about like how you actually become UK Chief Commissioner because it's one of those obscure roles that people get people do very very well but then you're not really sure how someone gets that role so uh yeah it was really exciting talking to him and just hearing all about his scouting so I'm gonna stop rambling and uh let you listen to the interview so I really hope you enjoyed this one so hi Tim thank you so much for joining us on Wait You're a Scout I uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I've, I've been waiting for an invitation. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm glad we finally found some time in the diary. Uh, now we're all sort of working from home. Uh, great to have you. So um, let's kick off with what is your role in scouting? Because it's it's not a small role, is it? It, it well, uh, it, it's um well, my role title is UK Chief Commissioner, so it all sounds very grand, doesn't it? Um, but of course, titles aren't everything. So what it means is that as a volunteer. I'm responsible for well, everything that happens in scouting in the UK. Uh, well, or everybody who's a UK scout, because of course we have some of our UK scouts who uh, operate uh, in other countries. So all of the people who belong to UK scouting, uh, um, I'm supposed to be responsible for them, which is a bit of a shock, I mean, both for them and for me, to be honest. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's that's what my role is. And how did you how did you find yourself in that role? Because it's not one that normally comes up on your local adverts, is it? No, so I, I'd like to think it's probably an administrative error, actually. That's how I got the role. But um, so uh, I have the role for five years uh, and the previous uh, and you can do it an extension. The previous UK Chief Commissioner Wayne uh, did seven years um, and then uh, uh, it, the role came up. Um, to be filled. It's uh, filled by a, uh, a search group that comes from the trustees of the Scout Association. And um, so the board of the Scout Association does a search uh, and they asked uh, for people to apply. So uh, I filled an application form, which was the first mistake, as these things <laughs> usually are. And then there was an interview process and, and various things. I got to meet a whole pile of, of people, uh, young people and adults from scouting and interact with them. So they wanted to see how that went um, and answer all the usual sort of questions. Um, and then there's a bit of deliberation and discussion. And I was asked to take the role. So so that's how it happened. So what made you actually go, I'm going to I'm going to fill in that application form and I'm going to go for this because it's not again. Yeah. It's it's difficult to say, really. I think in common with most people in scouting, uh, you want to do something that you think is useful. Um, And and there are so many roles in scouting that are useful uh, and that sort of fit you and and so on. Um, And I've I've spent some time, I've done a a whole pile of roles in scouting. So I've been a a scout leader and an assistant district commissioner, assistant county commissioner, district commissioner, a a, a county commissioner and and a few UK roles, um, all sorts of of bits and pieces. Um, And they all, for all of us, they have to somehow grab our hearts as well as our heads, don't they? You have to feel that what you're doing is really valuable and and, and not only does it do good things for young people, but also that it does uh, uh, something for you because you have to feel that you're gaining something from it as well um, and I've done a number of UK roles and I've learned 
so much from those uh, as I've gone along. And I suppose the bit that made me say, well, this this will be really interesting um, is because you get a chance to think a bit further ahead and to think about how you could help our 166,000 volunteers um, supporting our 475,000 young people and it's uh, so you get that feeling of I, I, I could do something that, that might be useful um, not not that I want to be UK chief commissioner as a title if you see I mean that titles yeah. have never done it for me um, and and uh, and, the, and the reason for that is uh, I'll just tell you a little story if I may uh, your course yeah <laughs> want to know but but it, it's really interesting if we think back to, for all of us as to why we hold the beliefs we hold or why we sort of have the values that we have how, how does that happen to us and a lot of the research tells us that it starts off when we're quite young you know we, the, the way that, that things happen as in our in our childhood and the things we see from our our mm. siblings and our parents and 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 so on that 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 really start to form the way that your values are settled. And I'm, I'm a twin, so that's the first thing about me that's important in terms of where my values came from. And we're a bit like opposites, um, really. Uh, my twin is a master craftsman uh, and I'm practically useless, right? So that's <laughs> broadly how these two things fit. So he's a he's a cabinet maker and joiner amongst other things, but um, so a master craftsman, he, he can take a lump of wood and make it turn into all sorts of stuff that I could never imagine. And he's also a sporty person and I'm, and I'm not. Uh, and so when we were at school, um, right from the word go, he, he did things I couldn't do and I did things he couldn't do. So I enjoyed Latin and, and maths and physics and German and French. Sort of stuff. I hated sports um, and PE, uh, whereas he loved all that stuff. Uh, and and I, I tried as a youngster, I tried doing some of the things he did. I just couldn't do them, right? Just, just, just useless at it. Uh, and right from the very, very start, therefore, in terms of the way I viewed the world as a youngster, it wasn't that uh, I was better than him or he was better than me. We were just different. And it's interesting because in school, because of the things I liked, which were academic, I was in quotes the A stream and he was in the B stream. Uh, but I knew I couldn't do the things he did, uh, and so yeah. I didn't think it was any worse. It was just different, and that. That's really been important to me, um, it, and I've learned more of that in scouting, as you might imagine, because um, there's more stories there, of course, about <laughs> scout then, right? So we can explore that if you like. Uh, but uh, what I've learned from all this is that, that it takes all of our different types and our skills um, to, to work together in, in concert in order for us to get the best we can, in this case, in scouting for young people, right? Um, and so I think it's really, really important. So the role itself isn't like, I, I don't feel, I don't feel fulfilled by having a title. Yes. I feel fulfilled by the things that I can do to help make our movement uh, work better. Now, I don't get everything right. <laughs> there are lots of people who will tell you all the things I get wrong, right? Which, which <laughs> part of the human condition, I'm afraid. You know, we don't always get things right. Uh, but the feeling of being able to make some things better for loads of people for the future and to help that happen is really, really exciting. Um, so, yeah, so that's a, a a long story as to why um, I'm sort of doing this role, really. And like you said, like this isn't the first role you've had. You obviously started scouting way before this. So oh, when did you ago. start scouting? How yes. did you get into scouts? So at the age of uh, eight, as a Cub Scout, my uh, I have some horrendous pictures of me and my twin uh, in <laughs> Cub Scout uniform. And for those of your listeners who remember this, so back when I was a first a Cub Scout, so that would be 1970 when I was a first a Cub Scout, age eight. Um, uh, we had uh, nice little caps, green and yellow caps, uh, which were perched on top of what can only be described as, as bird's nest haircuts at the time. <laughs> 
and then uh, long socks that are held up with garter tabs, so bits of elastic with little green strips off them, uh, and then incredibly knobbly knees. We, we, the photograph is not angelic, it's not good. So at the age of eight, my brother and I became um, Cub Scouts in our local village in Oxford, where we live, uh, and uh, I had thought for many, many years uh, it was my mother who thought we ought to go. I had thought for many, many years that uh, the reason that she had sent us was that she wanted us to you know, integrate into society, to become better people, to, to try and realise our full potential. And um, that's not true. Uh, when I spoke to her about it, it turns out it's because we were noisy uh, and she wanted us out of the house for a bit. So uh, I suspect many stories in scouting sort of start somewhere uh, around there. So I started at the age of eight um, and... Uh, I went through Cubs and Scouts and what was then called Venture Scouts uh, in my local uh, village. And then I became a scout leader uh, in a different group, which was the best thing I ever did to change group. The group I was with was great. It was, it was fantastic. It was some brilliant scout stuff. Uh, but it also knew you know, the right way to do things, how you should do stuff. It, it was very settled on how things were done. And I went to a different group and they did things differently. It was a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, and from that, I learned that there's more than one right way of doing something you know there isn't just one right way for many things there's more yes. than one right way and so quite often uh, when I was a scout leader there we would stop if, if we were doing things differently and we'd talk about it with the scouts and say well I do this this other leader does that let's work it out so as an example uh, putting a tent into a tent bag so we were using um, patrol tents those that these are you know tents with big big poles uh, and no sewn in ground sheets they would have um, uh, at the walls of the tent that were closest to the ground they'd have a bit of sacking hessian cloth which is called the sod cloth which is there to sort of soak up the dampness and you put the uh, ground sheet on top of that so when you're packing tents away there are a number of rules about this and i knew i mean i've been a cub and a scout and a venture scout in my in the one group i knew exactly how you had to fold a tent and they folded them differently which was a real shock so we sort of stopped and looked at what we did and worked out in the end that there are only a, there are very few rules to folding tents right yeah so one rule is it fits in the bag Right, that's yes. a really, really useful. <laughs> and the other role with these sorts of tents that had not sewn in ground sheets and sod cloths was that the sod cloths had to be on the outside of the folds so that they still had a bit of air. So if they were a little bit damp, they wouldn't go mouldy. That's the, that's the only rules you've got for folding tents. All the rest of it is mere niceties, right? And so we'd, we'd learned that. We sat down and with the scouts and I, I do this and the other leaders said, well, I do that. And then we worked out what the, the key things were. And that's a lesson that's um, stayed with me forever, you know, that that there's more than one right way of doing something right so i became a a, a scout and an adventure scout then became a leader uh, and i did did that and i really enjoyed that and i became an assistant district commissioner for scouts and the, and the bit that was really interesting about that is that the, that this role is about helping others to run their scout troops uh, it's not about being in charge of anything it's about supporting people and i had a real buzz out of that of, of going around seeing the scout troops seeing the different ways they did things which is just astonishing the range of things that we do uh, and then joining up questions and helping people to do stuff so uh, this isn't about control it's about enabling other people and i and i loved that that role um, and then i became an assistant county commissioner for scouts i got a chance to across the whole of oxfordshire which is even more exciting um, and and sometimes, you know, these sort of support roles are about just giving people some ideas about how to do things. I went to see yeah. a long time ago, I went to see a group of scout leaders in the district who were having problems running the then a scout training programme, which is different from how it is now, but th th they were having some problems with one of the awards. And we sat down and went through all of the sections, there are 13 sections in that award, we went through the 13 sections. And for each one, 
there might be one leader who said, I find this one difficult. And then others said, oh, we do this and we can share that with you. By the end of the evening, they'd got answers to everything. And so when we said, so what, what's the issue with the award? They said, well, there isn't one now. And that is just a lovely thing to be able to help people yeah. to find solutions, join things up, make things work is really lovely. So I really enjoyed um, that role. Uh, and then I, 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 I became a district commissioner for a short while uh, and a county commissioner. I did some UK stuff. So I looked at what after it was called adult support at the time so how do we make the processes for our adults better and so on and there's always change you need to do for that and adult training and those sorts of things yeah. um and that was fascinating uh, because one of the things that you learn quite a lot from sort of uk-wide scouting is that for every single idea that someone has somebody else will tell you it's wrong right and if you get together a bunch of scout people in a room uh and say well here's here's the issue, how do we solve it? You will get the square of the number of people in responses. Uh, so it's always dangerous, right? Because you've got no idea, they always seems about it. So and it just tells me that there isn't one right answer, as we've learned before, but also there's loads and loads of ways of making sure things work. You have to think quite widely. And that's quite, that's quite difficult because it means whenever we're doing something uh, across the UK, then no matter what it is we do, there will be yeah. someone for whom this does not fit very well which is why uh, I think sometimes we have to relax a bit and not want everything to be tied down completely in rules now there are some exceptions to that when it comes to safety and so on of course you need to know what you've got to do yeah. about that. but with lots of other stuff we can just be a bit more relaxed about stuff because if people keep asking for the details and then we're forced to give it people might not like some of the answers right so you, you don't need all the detail folk um, and and scout people are notoriously brilliant at inventing stuff we've only got to look back at the last three weeks, two or three weeks, um, given the, the current situation in the UK, um, and, and indeed if you look worldwide, I, I joined him with Jotty last weekend and you saw stuff, it's just astonishing stuff going yeah. on. But even in the UK, you know, people have invented enormous amounts of things to make sure that they can do things to help young people over the last few weeks, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, so one of the one of the big issues from a, from a UK role is how do you synthesise all those different ideas and ways of doing things? Because if, if you imagine it, you know, if you go to a scout group and they do a let's let's say we're going to a cub pack and a cub pack does its grand howl in a certain way. And that's the way they do it. You go to another cub pack and you can sort of tell it's a grand howl, but it could be it could feel completely different in yes. pitch and pace and where people stand and what they do and how they do it. It, it can feel really different, but it's still you can recognise it's a grand howl, but it's different. Um, and it's how you make sure that we can enable such a broad church of people to find their way through all the things we're trying to do. And that's the great fun and games of the role. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose it's one of those like actually you've been able to take that supporting roles that you've done before and all the fun things that you enjoyed out of that and now put it to UK wide must be. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and the importance of this is relying on the people who who do have the expertise. Mm. Right? I, I, one thing that's very important to me and always has been is about how we work as teams and how we find the right answers. And you do that by um, allowing people to blossom and, and to have their ideas and also allowing people to not always agree. Uh, and this is really, really important, because if we just got people who just say, yes, of course, yes, of course, uh, you end up with sometimes some completely you know strange ideas becoming the things you do because no one said hold on right and so yeah. I, I i like challenge i think that's really good it's not always easy to deal with it 
because you know we're human beings yeah. always easy to deal with it but i think it is important that people say well hold on a second what if what about uh, how does that work uh, because we end up being better for it in the end as we, th we think it through and it's one of the reasons why for a lot of the UK-wide work we're doing at the moment, we've made sure that the teams that are doing it include people from outside scouting as well. Uh, and yes. they ask questions. And the worst question ever of any scout thing is just why? <laughs> so, so if you imagine you've got someone who came to your, um, you're an Explore Scout leader amongst other things, aren't you? Yes, yeah. So they come to an Explore Scout meeting and they see that you've, um, let's say you've, you've done a flag break, right? So you've done that. And they ask why. These, these are really hard questions to answer. Well, because normally the answer is, well, because we always do. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not a very good answer, right? Re really. So, it, so it's really helpful when people challenge. The thing to do is to make sure that we challenge each other it, it, within our Scout values. So we respect other people and we understand that other people have different different takes on things in different positions um, there's a there's an old old saying about you know when I was 18 years old I, I knew all the answers uh, by the time I was 25 I was shocked how many other things I've learned since I was 18 right uh, yeah. and that's true because I remember being an 18 year old scout leader and it was clear to me what the answer was to everything because I, I was running a scout troop and and it was done in uh, hermetically sealed it was done that way yeah. and everything worked and if somebody said oh we have problems with that I'd say well that's that's, that's obvious what you do you just do this uh, and then you sort of see other people doing things. You think, oh, my gosh. Yeah. What's right for me isn't right for other people. Um, mm. And I think that's you know really important that we can say, well, for me, it feels like this. Or for me, we tend to do that. Uh, uh, and being able to answer why you do things is is really, really important. And it helped me a lot as a scout leader. One of the things that I found, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a planner, really, so that's very exciting. So for my scout meetings, I would have, um, it was a long time ago, so it was before ubiquitous personal computing, so it was still be bits of paper. But I planned everything out for months and I had uh, slots or bits, sheets of paper that would have, this is what we're going to do by the minute for my meeting. Yep. Here's some other ideas I might pop in if I need to. And the first thing I learned was that, well, sometimes when you say, right, we're now going to do this brilliant thing, you get 25 faces looking at you going, well, that's not brilliant, is it? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, you know, forcing people to enjoy themselves rarely works, uh, as, as many people will know. So you have to be a bit more flexible. So I learned a little bit of that. And I used to put some extra things on my planning sheets, uh, three or four ideas, which were there to say, well, if that doesn't work, I've got other things. So I'm not standing thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got some ideas ready to go. So that was the first thing. Then the next thing I learned was about, you know, when you're running a programme and you've got young people with you. Uh, and uh, this was um, on a camp, actually. Uh, and they wanted to do something which wasn't in my plan. Uh, and what I learned fairly quickly was the question to ask isn't why should you do it? The question to ask is, well, why shouldn't you? Because if there's yes. no reason not to, the answer is do it. Right. And if you've got an idea in your mind about how the training program works for young people, you know, what we're trying to achieve overall. There are a million routes that get you to the right answer. Mm. Isn't it better if we use the route that young people devise and want and feel ownership of than yeah. the route we feel we should do? And that requires us as leaders to relax a bit, just to step back and say, it's OK for you to try things out, because, as we all know, in a leadership position, if it goes terribly well, then you can pride yourself on having the good leadership skills to allow young people yeah. to try things out. And if it goes wrong, we can blame them. So it's great. So <laughs> if it goes wrong, we've got as long as we don't crush young people, we've got a learning opportunity. So we can genuinely say, gosh, didn't quite go according to plan. What would you do next time rather than telling them that they're silly? Uh, and so yeah. it's a win win. It's a genuine win win. As long as we're making sure that we're going towards, you know, broadly where our training scheme is trying to take us so that the young people can develop. Right. Um, and so I learned those things uh, 
early on as well um, in my time as a leader. And I was lucky because I had a, another leader when I went to the scout troop, the 32nd Oxford Brackets Horse Path, nice village just outside Oxford City. Um, and he was selfless. And it, it, it's also an interesting thing to reflect on. So John, who was the leader at the time, allowed me to de facto become the leader. I was an assistant leader. He allowed me to become the leader. Then I did become the leader. Uh, and he let me try things out and do things. And he was very wise because I bounced around doing lots of stuff. And then when a few things went wrong, and they did, he would just say, I can just sort that out. And, you, and I'd learn. Yeah. A few, right, it hasn't gone horribly wrong. And it's been sorted out and I can learn from that. And I think that was selfless of him, actually, because he could have decided he wanted to be that leader uh, and be the person in the limelight. And he allowed a, an 18 year old Oik who was full of himself and um, thought that he knew all the answers to everything to have a go. And then when it didn't go quite right, rather than telling me off, he would just scoop me up and help me. And that's exactly how we should work with young people. You know, yes, it's, definitely. It's, it's about coaching young people and and and, and feeling that we're a, um, a youth worker. We're working with young people, helping them to find their right way through it. We're not telling them what to do. You know, we're, we're not sort of pointing fingers at them. We're actually helping them to find their own way. Uh, so that was something I can't even remember what the question was you asked. <laughs> there you go. Well, it was a great, great to listen to. <laughs> so, Tim, obviously your role is quite a large chunk of your life. What do you do when you're not scouting? Uh, yeah, because a number of things. So uh, as you'll have guessed from my description of me earlier, uh, doing sport and stuff was never on my list of things to do. I, I was always the last person chosen for team school for stuff. And, and, and with, to be fair, with very good reason. Right? <laughs> I was an impediment to any team sports team I was on. Uh, but I found about, well, I don't know now, five years ago, I found that um, gym, I, I enjoyed going to gym. I was scared. I did. I went along and I was scared to join. And I sort of, sort of slunk in and I found someone said, I need to join the gym, but I'm scared. And they said, oh, that's okay, we'll take your money. Oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> and then I got a personal trainer um, and uh, I learned how to do things. And and I enjoy that. I think I, I don't do the, um, uh, the the big join in things. I don't know what they do now. People do um, cycling stuff or whatever it is. I can't remember. Spin. Yeah. spin yeah. That's that's not for me. I, I do my thing and I'm happy doing my thing. So I do a bit of gym. I do, and I do a bit of running now, which is also something that, that people who knew me as a youngster would never have imagined. So that's great. Uh, and I love the theatre. Uh, and I, I, I genuinely love the theatre. I love the feeling of um, seeing people uh, doing what will always be a unique performance to that audience uh, in that space at that time with whatever happens, you know, because things are different every time. And I love that. Um, and so I'm lucky we have a, a lovely theatre the Oxford Playhouse that's just down the road from me um, and they have an astonishing range of of things they put on uh, so what I tend to do is I tend to book the season through so I see things I would never normally have chosen to see yeah uh, so I've now started to see and started to understand a little bit um, contemporary dance which was completely beyond me the <laughs> first when I saw of that it was some chap dressed as a spider in a bathtub I have no idea to this day <laughs> going on uh, but I found some other bits of contemporary dance that start to resonate and, 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 I, and I don't understand it very well yet but I'm beginning to sort of understand a little bit of it but uh, other theatre you know straightforward plays and so on um, I enjoy and I'm just about an hour and 20 minutes away from the Royal Shakespeare Theatre in Stratford-on-Avon and so I go there as well um, and, and they do some astonishing stuff and as I'm in Oxford not too far from London so I go occasionally to the not to the big theatres because they're very expensive to see a lot of stuff there, yeah. but there's lots and lots of small fringe theatres that do some mm. astonishing things. Um, so I, I love the theatre. Um, and what I tend to do for that is I will tend to to tweet and do things on Instagram, sorry, Insta for your younger. <laughs> 
uh, and and Facebook when I enjoy stuff. What I don't do is I don't put out negative reviews when I don't enjoy it because who cares what my views? If I see something, I say it's great, I really enjoyed it, but I don't think people need to know if I didn't enjoy something, you know, because that just seems yeah. a bit negative really so I, just, I put some positive things out there so theatre uh, and um, a bit of keep fit stuff and uh, reading I love reading so I, I'm a uh, no I'm now actually uh, chairing my local uh, book group I didn't intend to, something else it's a very important post uh, I make sure that we choose a book each month so I produce a list from a, from a selection people vote on which book it is um, and then I, I just ask people to sort of give us their views we're doing it now of course uh, um, by video conferences we can't all get together Ooh. physically so that's what we're doing so those are the sort of things I do with my spare time and I think it's really important to um, to spend some time away from the scout stuff I have 13 nephews and nieces so that's that sort of keeps me busy uh yeah. seeing them occasionally and um doing stuff with them um and i and and as we, as all good uncles should i inflict my views on them uh, so <laughs> they get to an age where it's reasonable i take along to the uh, royal shakespeare company and they get to see a bit of shakespeare um, and without exception they've all enjoyed it um, because people think you won't understand it but when it's done well it's just yeah. obvious as you feel it you don't have to understand every single word the actions make it very clear so i enjoy doing that i enjoy um doing my uncle business <laughs> i've also heard that you're a bit of an avid baker as well oh i do bake you're right actually there, 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 there's two things that i do uh to uh relax to really relax and they are baking and ironing uh yeah. and they're, they're both important to me so baking yeah i've, I've got some uh, lovely recipes that uh friends and other people give me and, and john Waite, who won the, the uh, british bake-off a few years ago his books are really brilliant because they're, they're his cookbooks are ordered not by you know main meals or savory or sweet they're ordered by mood so these Ooh. are the, these are the recipes he cooks when he's feeling low these recipes he's got so, so it's really really interesting so i love those and i've modified them a bit as they go along and i've realized i've become one of those bakers uh, that's really annoying to people so people say oh I, I enjoyed that can i have the recipe yeah so send them the recipe and think that's not actually what i do because what's, what's, that's what the recipe says. Oh, I then do this yeah. and I'll do that. So I have to keep remembering to update it as to what I actually do as against what the recipe says. So I enjoy that. And then ironing, I, I genuinely enjoy ironing. It's very satisfying. And, and I can tell how stressed I am by the number of things I choose to iron. Uh, so uh, I won't give a bit of the gory details, but, but if I end up ironing my underwear, then I'm quite stressed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and socks. I sometimes iron socks. Uh, and that means I really am getting towards the stress. Um, but otherwise, I, I have a fairly, I think, a normal ironing regime, except I do, <laughs> iron, I do iron my sheets for my bed and my duvet covers. And some people tell me that that's a waste of time. But there's something there's something good about that. It takes quite a long they, time. They do go away better as well. I have found yeah. they do fit in the cupboard better. Oh, so, you, so you're, you're a, a, an ironer of duvet covers and sheets. <laughs> I mean, I don't enjoy ironing. It's not something oh. I think that, yeah, I'll do it. But I do like seeing them ironed, if that makes sense. Oh, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah I, I just find it deeply satisfying. So, and, and it's one of the many things I think my mum would rather I'd have learnt from my scout leader, because over the years she used to tell me to stop trying to help ironing. So, uh, yeah. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I first started ironing uh, when I was a Cub Scout, because the the the, 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 the necker for the 43rd Ops of my my, my first group was uh, blue and yellow so it had a, a, a separate edging to it so you had to get the chevrons right and, mm. and I couldn't cope with them being wrong so I'd iron them into the chevrons in and I wouldn't allow my mother to do that so I was uh, I said ironing it's the scout's fault quite right and it's because of my necker how terrible yeah. 
I mean, it's a good skill to learn. I think it's one that I should have been taught. Uh, I think I had the mum who was like, no, you're getting it wrong. I'm going to do it for you because I can't bear to see the lines wrong. Because oh. I also had a scarf that it had a um, third collier row had a green border. Yeah. But it wasn't right on the edge of the scarf. It was a black border, green and then the black scarf. Oh, how how exciting. So it had like an extra bit. Yeah. Which then meant that if you didn't get it right, you also had like extra things to worry about. And I wasn't very good at it. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's one I might have to take to my explorers. You're going to have to learn to iron your own scarf. Absolutely right. Yep. The things we learn from scouting, eh? Right. (laughs) So actually, Tim, what's one of the um, sort of most memorable things other than ironing that you uh, learnt as a young scout that's really stayed with you? Oh, Oh gosh, um, yeah. Well, we we could we could we could go off on one on this one. So I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you one. I think there's probably several actually. Um, uh, gosh, there's so many things. So as a as a youngster, I suppose um, to start off with, the, the, I talk about this when uh, when I'm addressing uh, crowds. Sometimes when I'm asked to speak about stuff, this is one thing that. It, so some some of your listeners may have heard this story already, but but it is really important to me. Um, so, so I, I describe myself as the world's most unexpected scout because I am practically useless, right? So I, I, I was never attracted by lighting fires because that's going to be dirty, uh, by abseiling or climbing or canoeing because I was useless at it. And uh, I, I genuinely was actually useless. <laughs> so another story about that in a moment. Um, uh, and so it's quite odd that I became a scout, uh, and. Uh, as I said, my mum had sent me and my twin along uh, to get us out of the house. And my twin was into all that practical stuff. Right. So for him, it was like, oh, it's great, great. Right. And for me, it was it was very scary. The, the thing that's really important is that that unlike school, where I had the mickey taken out of me because I was useless at sport and stuff and always the last one chosen. The scouts didn't do that. And that was really interesting, actually. Um, and I didn't really I, uh, I didn't go because of that. I, I found that when I was there. Right. So it probably mm. made me stay doing yeah. some things that scared me a lot, because when when the leader would say, right, we're going to go off and do upsetting. I was I was genuinely scared. This is like, oh, no. Uh, and then I found I could do it. But what they noticed is uh, that I mean, I'm a bit of a nerd and I liked science and maths and Latin and all that sort of nonsense. Um, and because I liked maths, they 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 were very clever. Uh, and, and this is something I think is why we are so important uh, in what we do. Uh, they noticed I like maths. They taught me how to plan routes using something called Naismith's rule. So you can look at a route on a map. You can look at the contour lines on the map. You can calculate how high you're going to go or how much you're going to drop. And therefore, you can you can uh, you can adapt the timing based on going up and going down rather than walking on the flat. So you can work out, you know, how long it would take you to climb a mountain or a hill or whatever it might be. Uh, And uh, so I did that. I also found that really interesting. And then they said, so you ought to go and test it out and make sure it's right. And that was the magic of it. Um, And so I I tell people, and and I genuinely mean this, you know, I I have stood on the top of mountains I would never have been were it not for scouts. I would never have had the self-belief to do that myself. So they taught me... um, very clearly that I could do some practical things and I did learn how to put up tents and I did learn how to light fires I did find that enjoyable but it scared me at the start right Uh, and so for my twin uh, who would run up a mountain because it was there and because he's broadly silly um, then what they did is they they taught him how to plan uh, and so his desire to get up top of mountains run there made him want to plan. Uh, my desire to plan made me want to go up a mountain. Um, and so with that one activity, let's go up a hill, let's go up a mountain, 
Uh, they taught me it was okay to try something practical and physical and I could do it. And they taught my brother how to how to plan. And that's why what we do is so important, because uh, there is a very serious, I think, point in this, which is that um, that we're a generalist organisation. You know, we're not just one thing. Uh, so we do things ranging from, you know, swimming, canoeing, chess, orienteering, mountaineering, hiking, um, you know, chopping up wood, lighting fires. It's just such a range of things that we do. Yeah. Uh, and you never know what it is in that general thing, this list of things that will suddenly spark your attention. And more than that, as leaders, it is our responsibility to stretch young people so they try some things that they never knew they might be good at or enjoy. Uh, and we've seen young people who've come out of scouting who've become um, uh, uh, Olympic champions in canoeing because they found that when they were in scouts. And that makes you think, well, isn't that brilliant? Because if we were just one solitary thing that we were doing, yeah. then we'd have a great time, the kids would have a lovely time and all the rest of it would be brilliant, but you wouldn't necessarily help someone find something they never knew that they would be good at or could excel it in um, and and become well Olympic champions. I mean, my gosh, you, you can't say better than that, can you? So that's really important. And I think the flip side of that is that us as leaders have to remember that we cannot be experts in everything. And it is an important role model to show that you don't pretend that you're expert in everything. So yeah. when I was a scout leader, uh, uh, I could do from a theoretical perspective pioneering my practical realisation wasn't always quite so good. Um, and so every year at every summer camp, I would relearn pioneering with the scouts. And it was a good thing to go through. It was right. You know, I, I'm not an expert. We'll do this together, shall we? You know, and that's that's useful. Um, and then uh, when uh, I went to a camp, we, we took the scouts to a camp in a campsite called Shalfleet on the Isle of Wight. And it's on a, um, a, a sea inlet river, river, tidal yeah. river. And the scout said they wanted to go uh, canoeing. Uh, now, it might not be canoeing, it might be kayaking. I am no expert, right? So I use these words interchangeably. Those from the sea scouting fraternity are listening will be sort of now howling at, 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 at me, but but I don't know. Anyway, it was it was little boaty things uh, with holes that you sit in and, and, and a paddle. So I've no idea. Uh, and in those days, which is a long time ago, in order to take young people on a on a river um, like that then one person had to get their bcu one star right mm. so i rehearsed for the whole of the summer i rehearsed i went out to our local the river charwell in oxford and someone else took me out there and i paddled around and did things and then we got the bcu examiner along with me and eight scouts and all the scouts passed and i failed uh, uh, and the BCU examiner said, I've never failed a BCU one star before. It's meant to be an encouragement award, apparently. So I've managed to fail an encouragement award, um, but I wasn't good enough. And it's true I wasn't good enough, you know, uh, for a variety of reasons. So what happened is the scouts took me out because they had the BCU one star and they could yeah. take because didn't. And now the rules are different now and accept all that, but that was of its time. Um, and, and I think that it doesn't harm us to say, I can do this sort of thing, but I'm not good at that sort of thing. Mm. And it's also great. I, 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 at the time, I, I took it philosophically, right? Um, but now I think actually it's really great that the scouts 
passed and I failed and they were they they didn't take the mickey uh, they just said well we'll take you out then <laughs> which was really lovely right mm. and I think that's something we should continue to, to think about and learn as leaders that you know leadership is the example we set leadership is the the things that we do and the things that we don't do the things that we say and the things that we don't say and for anybody who thinks that's a, an interesting way of describing it um it, I'm not the first unfortunately it's Baden Powell who said that first we should be bit of a shame isn't it I always like to claim that as my own but it's not <laughs> and I think it's really important actually for us as leaders thinking about us as role models you know it's not just the things that you say it's the things you choose not to say so the things you yeah. let go and don't mention that also say a lot about you as well as the things that you do and that you don't do which is also why I think it's important that as as leaders we, we imagine ourselves as youth workers that we say we are working with young people so it's important sometimes that we say oh let's just stop a second and think about how that went you know, let's just stop and think about how people might have felt when you said that, you know, and, and to challenge those things in a way that's about learning, mm. not just about telling people off, because that's not how you get people to learn if they feel that if they do something wrong, somebody can be stamped on. But somehow encouraging them to think through what it means. That's so a really important part of our leadership and that style that says, I'm not right about everything. Now, I'd love to be, but I just, I'm just not, right? So that's the way yeah. it is. And there are people who are better. And if there's a scout or an explorer scout or a cub who could do this thing, let, let's celebrate that and use that as the example and say, right, you show everybody how to do this and, we'll, and I'll learn as well. And I think that's really, really important. Definitely. Now, we've talked a lot about your uh, scouting past when you were a youngster, um, but you've been on some like amazing, to, well, to some amazing places and visited some amazing things as uh, chief uh, commissioner. Yeah. What are some of the, like, the best memories you've got from that or best places you've been to? Well, I end up with, um, yeah, so all sorts of invitations. And there's a mixture of these things, isn't there? I mean, uh, in terms of my role, um, uh, I think the important bit is how do we plan for the future of scouting? Uh, and then there's this really uh, interesting, fun bit where I meet people and, and uh, uh, you know, just see what they're doing and, and, and say well done and thank you and all those sorts of things that are really important. Yeah. So I've been to all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, and and it's not always the exotic places that bring the best experiences. Um, so I, I've done some stuff abroad. So I went to the World Scout Jamboree um, for a few days to, to meet people that were there working with their young people and say thank you and well done. Um, and so that was uh, hot and damp uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, really interesting and some stunning stuff going on. Uh, I've I've been to some world scouting events. Um, so I've been to Azerbaijan just because you do because that's where it was, and so that's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> but again, it's the people that were really important. But I suppose some of the things that I remember the most um, are not about what we might think of as exotic places. Mm. So there was a Devon County camp some years ago. I was chief commissioner of England at the time, and I was invited to go along, so I went along, which is fine. And I can't remember where it actually was now. Uh, but they were they had this camp and it was next to a some a, sort of a theme park place. Uh, yeah. And they asked me if I would present uh, a, a Chief Scouts Award to a to a scout. I said, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. I'll do that. What they failed to tell me was that it was going to happen on the death drop. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not, as you already now know, I'm not an adventurous sort of person. Right. Uh, and uh, they were using these one of these awful gravity drop type things. So you sit in these seats and get clamped in and it, it whips yeah. up sort of, you know, thousands of feet into the stratosphere uh, and then drops at an unseemly rate, uh, leaving your stomach and sometimes the contents of your breakfast somewhere sort of hovering in midair. Yeah. Uh, so off I went with this scout and his leader uh, and I was presenting a badge as we were hurtling towards the earth uh, and wow. that's something that will remain with me even though my breakfast didn't so I think that is something those sort of things are really really uh, fascinating 
Wow. I mean, I can't imagine trying to actually award that whilst dropping. It, yeah, yeah. I, it was rough. <laughs> Lots but of screaming in between. Because yeah. they stitched me up, so that was okay. <laughs> that's brilliant and I think it's sometimes those experiences that are really sort of like down to earth kind of experiences of like actually you know what down to earth it was yeah yeah be prepared yeah but that's amazing Tim your stories have been brilliant to listen to and I'm sure we could probably both sit here for a few episodes talking away um but one of the features we have on the podcast is uh the previous guest gets to ask uh you a question and then you get to ask our next guest devilishly cunning that <laughs> right uh you know it's a good way to get people to listen to other episodes i will admit and <laughs> um, for the last guest was uh fran who used to be an english teacher of mine and was an air scout uh she has asked what is your favorite knot okay so i, I it i was gonna say it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tie <laughs> there are two for different reasons okay the first one is a lark's head um because it's just it's more of a bend than a knot but um it's lots of people use it without knowing what it is uh and so one can show off one's knowledge uh when when they say we well, just you wrap it around here and put it through there yeah, that's a lark's head i imagined that with my personal training in gym the other day uh, a few weeks ago now uh, with these huge oversized elastic band things that you use to help you pull up and so on and he yeah. put it I said, oh, that's a lark's head. And I, and I was able to show off my knowledge of a knot or uh, bend by that. Um, but I suppose uh, in terms of the most fun I've ever had, I think will be the highwayman's hitch. Uh, so it's a, it's a knot which if you pull on one rope, uh, one end of it, it stays tight. Pull the other one, it undoes it. Uh, called the highwayman's hitch, as you know, tradition has it, because it was not used by a highwayman to secure his horse to a fence so that as he'd robbed someone, he can jump on it, pull the string and run away, right? Uh, or gallop yeah. away, I suppose. Uh, whether that's true or not is another matter entirely. But teaching it to particularly youngsters, so to, to Cub Scouts is very funny. Uh, and once they've got the hang of it, it's a really good fun fun not to know. So that's so, so it's, a, it's a lark's head and a homer's hitch. Other people might tell me better knots, but that's, that's my two. Brilliant. And so, Tim, what is your question for our next guest? On the basis that this is a devilishly cunning trick and ploy that you utilise, uh, <laughs> I thought I'd ask something that was a little bit devilish in the detail. So how would other people describe your sense of humour? It'll be interesting to see what people say. How would other people describe your sense of humour? So, Tim, how would other people describe your sense of humour? Um, I think mostly ironic uh, <laughs> and usually mostly with a with an eyebrow raised uh i love irony and um i love uh the great i think british tradition of sarcasm as well uh so yes. one has to handle that carefully of course but i think i think i think very very dry is what people would probably say oh good to know be prepared well tim like i said thank you so much for uh spending some time talking to us and uh yeah thank you for yeah everything the stories have been brilliant and hopefully we'll uh, speak to you soon in the future i'm sure we will thank you very much thanks tim I really hope you liked uh, that chat as much as I did, actually. Uh, it was really lo- lovely to listen back to. Um, yeah, and actually hearing how involved Tim is getting in sort of everything that 
scout leaders are doing on the ground to keep scouting going like the virtual campfires and other events that are happening actually getting involved like big man in the woods um first youtube and getting involved in some of its other events tim's uh, twitter is a great place to go if you're not sure um like what you can get up to at the moment so i do recommend looking there um but yeah it was just actually really lovely just hearing stories that we all kind of have we all have those like funny stories from when we were younger or those things that motivate us for the reasons why uh why we do the roles we do um so yeah it, it was just lovely to talk to tim um so yeah hope you all enjoyed it um you can tell i've not been around people a lot you can tell i'm rambling a lot here so i will try and keep this more concise um so um there are lots of things going on at the moment as always online um there are lots of different uh, facebook groups and uh twitter hashtags to follow if you want things to do um if you're looking for a challenge for yourself or for young people every day um scoutadelic is doing uh scouting at home videos pretty much every day at the moment um of different activities you can get up to um the world um scout movement is also posting lots of different stuff at the moment of things people are doing around the world if you want to find those out uh, again big man in the woods is always always doing stuff um i've also seen a couple of uh, scout leaders uh use podcasts to connect with their young people um yeah if you want one of those people please do get in touch i'd love to be able to share what you're doing have a listen uh steal some of your ideas uh no uh, but it would be really good to just get in touch and have a look at like what you guys are doing and share what you're getting up to um and yeah and scout radio is doing absolutely loads as well at the moment so a uh, big shout out to those guys as well um yeah just whatever you're doing guys uh look after yourselves as always make sure you are taking time out for you as well as all the other scouting work family and looking after i'm sure you are all doing um make sure you know look after yourself uh you keep safe follow all the guidelines that you can and yeah just yeah keep safe guys and uh we'll speak soon thanks thanks for listening to wait you're a scout with anna skipwell follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at wait you're a scout and don't forget to rate review and subscribe